Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Homie. Check them out, homie.com. Use uh, promo code HANTS for a bunch of savings. That's homie.com. Uh, we're going to talk to Jonathan Tavenari coming up here momentarily. Gordon, uh, some rules changes. The one free transfer rule uh, it appears to be on its way to going into effect sometime in the next year or so. Of course, name, image, and likeness continues to be a, a hot topic. It's uh, stuck in the legislative stage at, uh, at the moment. We can talk to him about that. But uh, I, particularly the, the transfer portal and the, the, the kind of overall culture of transferring, what effect that's going to have on college basketball. Yes, I'm interested to know from Jonathan how he feels about it, being a former player and all, and being able to speak to that side of it. You and I are at opposite ends of the discussion, but let's hear what Jonathan is saying. Let's do. In fact, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, former BYU Cougar, longtime professional basketball player, and our good friend. He's Jonathan Tavernari with us here on the big show. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? What's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, we're great. Uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of these rule changes. I know you've been uh, talking about it on uh, on social media, but uh, the one free transfer rule Good idea or bad idea, do you think, for college basketball? Um, here is the thing. Um, I, um, how can I put that on a, on, on a way that um, I think the one-time transfer, I do think it's okay. I, I think the one-time transfer should be allowed, right? I mean, just because um, there are times, you know, never say never, maybe a situation arises, um, there's a coaching change, you know what I mean? Um, so a one-time, the one-time transfer and eligible to play right away, I'm 100% uh, in agreement. Um, can you do it inside your own conference? I think that at that point you should sit out a year uh, because that's pretty obvious that there's some shenanigans going on, right? I mean, you know, back in the day, if you were to transfer from, you know, BYU to Utah, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's one of those situations, you know, and one of my best friends, somebody that I look up to that I have a really good relationship with, Trent Whiting did that, right? And so, but it, it, here is where I'm coming from. I think that when you have, um, you know, the transfer rule and you can sit out and this and that, I think that the transfer portal has now become um, an NBA free agency frenzy um, that anybody now is getting bad advice, is getting all sorts of, of crazy opinions and just jumping on it. And, and to me, you know, I went through it. Um, you know, when Austin reached out to me, I'm like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come on the show. Don't ask who were the schools that reached out to me because I don't want, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to open that Pandora's box. Um, but it happened to me. And, you know, it was something that I heard, I took consideration, I said a prayer about it, and I didn't feel good about it. And it was a pretty significant move, right? Um, but I come from the mentality. My mom and dad were in the Army, and they met in the Army. And so I come from the mentality that 
Um, if you're having a hard time with a situation, you need to figure out a way to work around it, right? And transferring is usually the rest, the last resort, right? Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I was a late bloomer. So when I was at Tim View, I was, I, was, I was a solid player. I was okay. I mean, I was all state, but I was okay. When I went to Vegas, I blossomed. And, you know, shout out to my people, Bishop Gorman, for helping me. And I became a really good player. Um, I was, I started getting recruited by the Big 12, um, ACC, SEC, uh, the Pac-10 back in the day. Um, I had over a dozen offers. And so, um, but I chose BYU. And when I chose BYU, um, you know, all of the, all of the colleges, they tell you what they want to hear. You're going to be a big part of the program. I mean, I was one of the first guys Coach Rose recruited. Um, I actually committed, uh, committed to Steve Cleveland. Um, but when I got to BYU, I wasn't getting all that love, right? I was just a freshman playing behind Keena Young, which you guys remember was the player of the year that year. Stud. Um, yeah. You know, Jimmy Balderson was the man. Sam Burgess was the man. Mike Rose was the man. Lee was the solid rotation playing at the time. Trent Placid, um, Austin Ainge. Um, Rashawn Brodus was around. And so there was also another Brazilian, um, Fernando Malaman. And so I was very low on the totem pole. And I, you know, there were times, especially with the NCAA investigation that I had, um, I had to sit out a few games to start a season. Like, I was in a really low point. And I'll never forget the lowest of the point is um, I was walking into BYU. Uh, President Samuels at the time saw me. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? Um, I thought you're supposed to be at UCLA. And I'm like, well, I'm redshirting, uh, you know, with this NCAA violation. He's like, well, the chances of you being a professional based on this are really good. You know, we wish the best for you. And I started crying because I'm like, I really want to play. Um, I come back on practice the next day when we come back. Um, I did a really cool move, and I scored. And I'm like, oh, I'm here to stay. And Coach Rose said, stop. JT, that's the worst shot I've ever seen in all of my years coaching. <laughs> I played with Clyde Drexler. So never shoot that shot again. And I was really low. I went back to my dorms and I started crying. And I told my mom, I said, I want to transfer. I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And back in the day, you know, I had next spell that you could talk to people. And they said, my mom said, you go to your room, you turn on the camera. We need to do a Skype session. I mean, that's how long ago that was. And uh, I'm talking to my mom. She said, you're not going to transfer um, you need to go and work hard and stop complaining and whining because you already have a free scholarship to get an education. You already have room and board. Your dad and I are helping you with some other expenses. You have everything you need. You need to stop complaining. You need to get and work hard. And that's what I did. And I worked hard. And as soon as I had an opportunity when Rashawn got in trouble, um, and I started playing. And I was the freshman of the year. And then the year after that, I had a great summer. And my sophomore year, I had some really great games, including a really big one against Louisville and Carolina. And at that summer, um, that's when I was approached, and you know, for people saying, "Hey, uh, would you be interested in transferring? What do you think about this place?" And and I thought about it because I'm like, you know, one of my favorite players of all time played there. Um, you know, amazing program. Um, I got a lot of a lot of heat from my teammates because I was playing with certain shoes that matched their colors. And so there was all this stuff going on. Um, and it, it, but I didn't transfer, right? I, 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 I stayed the course. And, and in my senior year, when I was a preseason All-American, I was a preseason player of the year, um, all of this stuff, I actually went to Coach Rose and said, you know what, this is not working. I need to come off the bench. 
I mean, I had all of the tools to be able to redshirt, to sit out. And so to me, when I see guys transferring, when I see um, guys not working hard, um, and I, and I, a lot of, and I'm especially mentioning the guys at BYU. And I'm around in the summertime because I use the facility still. And I see what's going on and I hear what's going on because I have ears and eyes everywhere. It does bother me that, you know, people aren't buckling down and working hard to improve their, uh, their situation. And to me, that's also a metaphor for life because you're like, if you're not figuring out a way to get, to get it, to make it happen when you have a free scholarship and a lot of stuff is given to you, what about when you have a job and, you know, maybe you're in sales and you don't hit quota? Or maybe you're trying to go to med school and you keep failing a test. And so um, I think that the, the transfer sport, the transfer portal, the way it is right now, it's a travesty. Um, it is an awful situation. But I am in favor of the one-time transfer because, again, there's always an exception to the rule. Uh, Jonathan, tell us what those exceptions are as far as what are the legitimate reasons, in your opinion, for someone to transfer? Um, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, Gordon, to me is – when a coach transfers, um, if a coach gets a new job, you know, with the situation at Utah State, um, if maybe there is a death in the family, I don't remember correctly because I was still in Italy back then, um, but I remember there was somebody asking to be released from their commitment. And this is somewhere, um, Texas, uh, New Orleans, Florida, somewhere in the SEC. Um, and they wanted to go to a different school um, because there was death in the family, they wanted to be by their, you know, by their loved ones. And so, to me, those are the kind of the exceptions. You know, maybe there's a, a personal situation, uh, a family issue. Uh, maybe it is the coach transferring. Um, you know what I mean? So, to me, those are kind of the particulars. Maybe there's a scandal. Uh, you know, when uh, the coach from Baylor that won the national championship, when he inherited the mess. Uh, maybe, you know, if whoever was there and, and it, it was a good situation, but they needed to transfer, that to me are the exceptions. You know, obviously I'm just naming the ones that come to my mind right now. There are probably a lot more over there, um, but not the case that it is right now. I mean, Gordon, it, you know, if you were to commit to Utah and then after one, you know, one year in Utah, let's just pretend the situation here in Utah right now, um, you know, uh, Larry Kay got let go, and that's the guy that you committed to. You know, and now you have you can, you have carte blanche to be able to transfer because you committed to pay to play for one coach, but now a new one comes in, right? And so to me, that's one of the bigger issues. But right nowadays, it's you know the coach chews gum on his right side, but I'm a guy that gum should be chewed um, on the left side, and I just you know I want to out. And I mean it's flooded. You know what I mean? Like Franz von Schiller is one of my really good friends. And I talk to Fran uh, uh, quite often, you know, mainly because of European guys and this and that. And the transfer portal is flooded. And it is, to me, um, to BYU and to Mark Pope, that's a blessing in disguise because those guys make a living on bringing transfers to BYU. But, you know, to, and maybe I'm old school. Maybe I need to change my mentality. Um, you know, I am from the perspective. And when I came to America as an immigrant, um, my perspective was, guys, um, you play for your college team, you represent your community, you re represent your region. And then after that, once you get good enough, you know, and you go to the NCAA tournament, then you represent it on a national stage, right? And so to me, college, I see it as that community, that local, um, you know, tailgate, family-friendly environment. 
And unfortunately, you know, uh, because of, I don't want to say social media in a bad way, but globalization and the way things are nowadays, um, we really have expanded the college game to be a business. And it has always been a business, yes, but now it's translating into name, image, and likeness, which I think is also a big mistake. And, you know, paying players is going to open a, a ginormous Pandora box. And uh, But to me, the college game is, you know, it is and it always should be about the community, the local support, and then you graduate and your local community supports you and helps you. It's the number one reason I stay in Utah. It's because here most people know who I am. I still walk around. I give autographs. I, I sign, you know, I take pictures. People give me high fives and, well, fist bumps nowadays with the, with the COVID. But, um, and, you know, and, and people know me and they recognize me. And, and thankfully, uh, you know, my career, um, I'm doing well and, and people know me. But it, it, it's, that's how it's supposed to be. You're built on, 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 on that community, which right now it's such a national, global marketing, media, persona, um, brand that it's, you know, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if there's, you know, by the time that my eight-year-old is college-bound, you know, if he, you know, whatever he goes, um, things are going to change. And I don't think the sport's going to be the same as it is right now. So, Jonathan, I want to ask you about, I guess, the, the rules, um, the, 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 the bribery and those sorts of things that go on uh, that we all know is going on and we all refer to. And it seems to me that, you know, the, the one-time transfer and the this is the cynical side of me that says that that's just another opportunity for money to change hands. And then you look at name, image, and likeness and the workarounds that that will create. I mean, is it honestly, are we down the road where they're just going to get rid of those rules entirely and it's the Wild West or where are we going? I, I don't see how you can stop that. I mean, uh, the NCAA, as much as it is a corrupt organization, because they are, let's be realistic, Amir. I mean, the most beautiful thing about the NCAA tournament is that you can be a low seed and you can make a run and you can have Cinderella stories, right? Um, but the college football playoffs is, you know, a nightmare. I mean, it's a sham. And it's, you know, it's it's a situation that was built for the rich to get richer. And it would never, if, if the NCAA tournament was built like the college football playoffs, um, UCLA was never going to have their magical run. If you guys think back, George Mason, uh, VCU, was never going to get those magical runs. Um, my senior year, um, Northern Iowa never was going to get a magical run against Kansas. And so, um, but it is politics, but I don't see how that immovable, uh, you know, that unstoppable force um, that is with the changes that you're talking about, name, image, and likeness, getting paid, transfer portals, um, and all of this type of stuff, um, it's, you know, that, you know, uh, immovable force of NCAA is going to be able to stop it. And so I don't see it, um, you know, it, this is going to sound weird, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if the same type of situation that is happening um, in Europe with the Super League, I don't know how much big of a soccer fans you guys are. So, we talked about it uh, earlier today, actually, yeah. And so um, to me, it would not surprise me if um, there, would, there would be a situation where um, a, lot of, a lot more independent schools do what BYU did. I mean, BYU is in a pretty comfortable situation, mainly with football. I mean, they can play wherever the heck they want. They have a nice, sweet ESPN deal. 
Tate Gooden for Zach Wilson. We're going to be able to renew it for another 10 years now. And so, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if that becomes the norm, right? Because that's what BYU did. And then obviously, unfortunately, that led us to us joining, um, you know, the, uh, the Gonzaga Coast Conference and, <laughs> and become, you know, and join Gonzaga's deal. And, uh, but again, it, 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 why was that move made? That move was made because football dictates and brings all the money. Um, that's exactly what I study in college. So if you break down the BYU, um, the BYU revenue pie sheet, uh, uh, pie um, graphic, uh, football brings uh, football brings almost forty percent of revenue, almost half of the revenue for the athletic program. Um, it, it's football. Um, with football and basketball, you get about almost you know sixty to seventy percent. Everything else is merchandising and, you know, all of the other sports. But football and basketball equate to about 70% of BYU's revenue. And so that gives you an idea of, okay, well, we have to make sure that these sports are taken care of and the other ones get a little bit less, you know, of the piece of the turkey. But um, you can't, like I said, there's so much that you can go in depth with this, with this topic. And I just think that, you know, um, it, there's and there's so much shenanigans. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, there was a school. And again, I was not an All-American uh, in, in high school. I was a Pangos All-American, which is not much. I mean, it is. It, I was an All-American in sense, um, but not a McDonald's All-American or a Jordan Brand All-American or anything like that, right? Um, and there was a school in the SEC that asked my uh, my AAU team, my AAU coach, and I played for what it was to be called the elite basketball organization, EBO. With the Lopez twins, Derek Jasper, Jared Bayless, we won a couple of national championships back in the day in Vegas. Um, and they asked and said, hey, how much would it take for us to get him to come to our team? About fifty, sixty thousand. 60,000. And my college coach and my AAU coach was, you know, very down to earth, black and white, a Japanese descendant. And he's like, you're crazy. Get out of here. And but then when I found out that I'm like I wish I had known, you know I don't know if it would have changed my mind but you know sixty thousand dollars that's a lot of money, and so but if if that was happening to me who I was you know I wasn't even a top one hundred recruit, right? Can you imagine the type of situations you have around you know the number one recruiter, the number one ranked class, the number two, the number five or whatever the case may be. You know, and you hear, and I'll tell you my honest opinion, you hear the numbers about DeAndre Ayton and Kyle Kuzma and all of that, and let me tell you, you're probably missing about one or two zeros because I know for a fact, and I've shared this with you guys, of somebody that I'm very close to that I played with, um, you know, overseas, and I'm close to the family, and that person got paid five figures to be able to go and participate and be a part of a Final Four team very recently. And I know that for a fact because I've seen with my own eyes tax receipts, okay? And so it is a situation that everybody knows about it. You try to keep it down low, and uh, you know, but it is a huge problem, which I am also going to do a little pat on the back. The fact that BYU and the run that I had in college – um, with all of those guys, the fact that we did everything that we did and none of us ever got paid, um, it is it is quite impressive because it is more common than you guys would think. I want to follow up on that, uh, Jonathan, because that is that's really intriguing to me, and we always wonder how how uh, how thorough 
that that kind of uh, cheating is. Uh, when you see a great team playing in, let's say, the NCAA tournament, how certain are you that there has been some funny business going on there? It, it, when you see a really big team, Gordon, it's kind of hard not to just automatically think that. You know, um, here's the thing. Has some shenanigans happened to Duke? I'm sure there has to be. I mean, there has to be. Does Coach K know about it? I have no idea. I can't speak for that. But I will tell you is this. Is it is it always, is it normal that, you know, you just get over and over and over again, that the rich get richer? I mean, there has to be something, right? Because what is the great differentiator? I mean, um, Dame Lillard says all the time, if you're good, they will find you, right? He always says that about him and CJ because CJ went to Lehigh. And so you always hear that if you're good, they will find you. But how is it that always the really good teams uh, always get the best players? The, the devil's advocate will say, well, it's because they are the really big programs. They are the ones that, you know, have tradition. They absolutely have tradition. Is and what is part of that tradition? And so um, there, it, it, it's from my personal experience and knowledge, there is no way, there is no way that there is, you know, a 100% guarantee situation that when people say, oh, he didn't get paid to go there. That, uh, the best, best players, they are getting something from somewhere. And you, and you can take that to the bank. I guarantee that. Being around the game for as long as I have, seeing things for as long as I have. When you're overseas, you hear so many stories and you're a part of so many conversations and it, there's no way not to be, right? There's no way not to be. I mean, I, you know, for, for the decade that I spent in Italy and then playing with the national team and so on, um, you would have to see the amount of agents I would see playing with the national team that would be over there scouting and talking to college guys. You know what I mean? Um, an old Utah point guard, um, Tyler, I think his name was Kepke. You guys remember yeah, him? Kepke, he uh -huh. was from, yeah, from yeah. Canada. One time we were playing in a tournament in Puerto Rico. He was playing for Team Canada. I was playing for Team Brazil. And we we're just, you know, I was just doing some homework because I needed to get catch up on summer school. And I was in this business, in the business area for an, on a hotel. And I see him, I'm like, Ty, what's up, man? And we just started, you know, chatting and just shooting the breeze. And he told me, he's like, yeah. Um, I'm being approached by a lot of agents and, and, and you know, a, a lot of this stuff and, and talking about him skipping his senior year and going pro. And, and if the type of stuff happens, you know, when you're overseas with your national team, and again, me and Tyler, we were never, you know, lottery picks or NBA bound. Can you imagine with, you know, the number, the, the, the lottery picks, the top 10 picks, the high ranked guys, uh, the type of the level of shenanigans that that there is, it's it's you know, it, it would it would make our imagination fly wild. You can follow him on Twitter at four three JT as I do. Of course, former Cougar, longtime uh, pro NBA player Jonathan Tavernari. Jonathan, you are the best. Thank you as always coming on and and shedding some light on these uh, sometimes complex issues. We appreciate it. Hey guys, I appreciate. it. I hope you have a good day and uh, anytime. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Jonathan Tavernari, Gordon. And I'm glad we had him on because I, I think this is really, you know, this is really system-changing kind of things that uh, that we're going through here. And he's somebody who's who's been through it and has, a, you know, even if you don't agree with him on everything, he certainly has a, a unique and strong perspective on the subject. 
Well, it's good to hear somebody who has been through that process and maybe not experienced so much of it personally, but has looked around and seen it happen and speak so candidly about it. Yep. You know, cool. because it's kind of like a dirty little secret that everybody kind of is aware of, but folks don't really flesh it out that much. And I would recommend you follow him on Twitter. Uh, again, that address uh, or, or handle at four three JT because he talks a lot of basketball. He watches all the jazz games and gives his thoughts. It's, uh, he's a really good follow. All right, well, I'm more coming up next. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone.